Welcome to the Pod Control Podcast, brought to you by Red Hat. Pod Control is your source for containers, Kubernetes, OpenShift, and all things cloud native. Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to another episode of the PodCTL podcast. It's great to be back with all of you. I know it's been a couple of weeks, and people have been asking where we went. Uh, things have been a little bit busy. We were kind of getting caught up with after Red Hat Summit. We were busy at Red Hat Summit, and then uh, we were off in Barcelona this past week at KubeCon. So I've been traveling quite a bit. I uh, have not had a chance to necessarily take my microphone to a bunch of events. I wish I could get a chance to meet a lot of very pe- uh, good people and smart people around the Kubernetes community. But we're going to try and get you caught up here. I think what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and sort of break down KubeCon into two different uh, episodes. So I'm going to do the first episode as kind of, you know, what were the big things coming out of KubeCon, sort of big events that you or not big events, big announcements that you may want to take a look at. Some new projects were announced. Um, some projects reached a new milestone. We'll talk about those. We'll talk a little about the overall vibe of the show, uh, some feedback and some things. Um, I will highlight some things that were good ways for you to get caught up, uh, whether those are media outlets doing some things or just other good reads that were out there. And then I'm going to do a part two of the show where we're going to dig in a little bit to some of the talks that went on. And and kudos to the CNCF for getting all of the talks already published. Uh, I'm I'm recording this on Friday the 24th, which is the day after KubeCon was done. And it looks like there are about 330 or so uh, videos from the various talks. So whether those are breakout sessions or lightning talks or the keynotes or all those sort of things. So kudos to them for getting it out so quickly. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that wanted to be at the event. Um, There were 7,700 people in Barcelona this last week, which is, I believe, a new record for uh, KubeCon and for CloudNativeCon. So congratulations to uh, the CNCF for continuing to put on a great show, for being able to host that many people. And, you know, it's a real testament kind of how big the community has grown. Um, I know one of the questions that gets asked all the time is, you know, can this growth and this pace of growth and all these things be sustained? I'm going to talk about that a little bit towards the end. and I want to dive into that right now. Uh, but I want to hit on some of the, the big things that got announced this week. I'm going to talk about them not in terms of sort of vendor announcements. I will put a link uh, to a couple of things from the CNCF, which list all the vendor announcements. If for some reason you didn't see them, uh, there were lots and lots of them. Um, some of them are partnerships. Some of them are sort of new technologies. Um, some of them are just momentum and so forth. Uh, so I'll put a link to that. But I want to hit the things that are uh, relevant to the entire community. So really kind of project level things that were relevant to the whole community. And keep in mind that while this thing is still primarily thought of as KubeCon, it is still CloudNativeCon. So there are a lot of different projects and things that are getting announced around that. So let's hit on a few of these. Uh, so the FluentD project, which um, a lot of people have been using in terms of logging for a long, long time, uh, originated at ARM and has since been um, in a lot of different platforms as the the logging platform, the default logging platform. I know we use it in OpenShift. Um, that graduated to a, a graduated level project. So congratulations to the FluentD project um, for that community for getting it to graduated. Um, it's an interesting project in that a lot of people have been using it in production for a long time. But in terms of CNCA, CNCF graduation, it has reached that level level of maturity. Uh, the next thing was the Helm project, which is the, they like to label themselves as the default Kubernetes package manager, um, has version three is now out in alpha. Uh, it's been a long time in waiting for people to get version three. Uh, a lot of new things in there. The Probably the most 
prevalent one and the one that will get the most discussion is that the tiller part of Helm is no longer necessary. So it was interesting for those of you that are uh, familiar with Helm, um, you know about both Helm, the packaging side charts, but you also know about tiller, the thing that had to run within every cluster. Problem with Tiller is Tiller needs root access or privilege access to your cluster. So in essence, it uh, created sort of a potential security hole. Um, so it's nice to see that go away. Um, I know a lot of people have been asking for that for a long time for Helm support without Tiller. Um, so big uh, announcement around Helm v3. Um, there are a number of talks that went on throughout the week. Uh, the next one was kind of an interesting thing that happens sometimes in open source, which is you have a couple of projects which are kind of uh, begin in parallel paths, sometimes trying to solve the same thing. And then at some point, those communities realize, you know, we're kind of running in parallel. We would do better to be together. So both the open tracing and open consensus projects have been merged to become the open tel- uh, open telemetry project. So the open tracing and open consensus is now open telemetry. So one project around telemetry, uh, really bringing together um, that whole space. And it was it was good to see both of the leads of both those projects on stage talking about it, why it should happen, why it's going to accelerate uh, the observability space and telemetry space uh, about what's going on. So that was very, very good to see. The next one was, um, obviously, service mesh has been a big topic that's been talked about quite a bit uh, within the CNCF. Um, you have an interesting situation in that an, a couple of different projects sort of are both considered um, maybe not. I don't know if I want to call them first class citizens, but they're you know they're 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 growing projects within the CNCF, but they're also growing projects out in the world. Um, and in this in this uh, CNCF world, that's both Linkerd uh, as well as Istio. And then obviously there are you know some other um, you know service mesh technologies that are out there, like from HashiCorp and some other people. Um, and so what came along, it was the problem with all these different service meshes, and they all do things a little bit differently. They have some strengths and weaknesses and so forth, um, is customers and companies are ultimately trying to figure out which one should I use. And then if for some reason I don't choose to use them both, I don't choose to use one everywhere, uh, what should I do? You know, so for example, if you were using AWS App Mesh, which is mostly just based on Envoy, and somewhere else you were using Istio, or maybe somewhere else you were using Linkerd, or you were going to connect to somebody who was doing that, how would you go about doing that? So uh, a new project came out. It was called SMI, or the Service Mesh Interface. So this was something that was announced by uh, Microsoft and Red Hat and HashiCorp and a number of companies. Um, a lot of the concepts behind this were come from a company called uh, Solo.io. So they have a technology called Glue and Superglue. Uh, the SMI concept is sort of based loosely on Superglue. Um, the idea of let's have one programming interface for many service meshes. So sort of a, a layer on top of service meshes to allow consistent interaction between developers or applications and what could be multiple service meshes. So SMI got announced this past week. Uh, Next thing was Rook. Uh, Rook, the uh, sort of storage manager, if you will. I know we've talked about Rook a little bit a couple shows ago. Um, Rook graduated to version 1.0. So in terms of maturity of Rook, uh, 1.0 now available. And also the Rook operator is now uh, out on Operator Hub. So great to see um, not only uh, Rook maturing, but also the Rook operator. Uh, The initial Rook operator is working with Ceph as the storage engine. Uh, but we do expect to see Rook support multiple storage engines in terms of that maturity and the operator down the road as well. So uh, congratulations to Rook. Uh, 
Um, OpenEBS, uh, container attached storage, uh, is now part of the CNCF as a project. So that was very cool to see. So um, more and more things coming in around storage. Storage actually was one of the keynotes during the week talking about uh, stateful applications, the complexity of storage, and what the community is doing to make that simpler and, and easier to manage. And then lastly, on sort of the list of projects, uh, the Valero project, which we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, was became uh, 1.0, so um, matured to version 1.0. So congratulations to the Valero team. Um, it's very interesting to see Valero not only uh, mature, but also we begin to see other projects building on top of things like Valero. So uh, for anybody who follows OpenShift and you've been following some of how OpenShift is going to manage migrations from version 3x version 4x, uh, Valero will be under the covers of the migration tool for that as well. So we'll see more and more things expanding out of the Valero project as well. So congratulations to them. A um, couple of other things uh, to highlight, and I'll put these in the show notes. Um, all, like I mentioned, all of the KubeCon talks are out there right now. So it's great to see you know 300 plus talks out there. Um, when you've got 7,000 people, you got to keep them interested. Um, the other thing was there is a new thing that's put out there called the Project Health Table. So this is a really nice thing that the CNCF has put together that gives you a sense of uh, what is the health of the projects? Uh, what's the velocity of commits to the project? How many committers are there? When was the last commits? Uh, a lot of different data that's out there that you can dig through just to give you some sense of how mature are the projects, how active is the community, how robust is the community. And then obviously, if you want to dig into it, you can look at who's committing and companies that are committing or you know diversity amongst companies and so forth. So always good information there. So I want to talk just a little bit about the event itself. Um, a couple of different things. So the first thing that, that jumps out at me was, you know, I've had a chance to attend, I think, everyone except the very first KubeCon. So I've seen it grow. Um, I've seen it grow. You know, one of the challenges of growing is, you know, how do you manage the event? How do you continue to make it big enough for people? How do you uh, host it at venues? How do you put it in localities that are easy to get to? So uh, Barcelona was a very good city for that. Um, city-wise, it was great. Easy to get from the airport to the venue. Uh, the venue is really, really big. Uh, the Fira Grand is an enormous event. It's the same place that uh, uh, is Mobile World Congress. It's the same place that VMworld Europe is. I know Cisco Live is there sometimes. It's really big, um, which I guess is good for growth in the future. Uh, it does make for a lot of walking. Um, so for those of you that uh, didn't get a chance to attend, you you missed out on uh, quite a bit of walking as well. Um, but anyways, but getting back to the event. So a few years ago, you know, the event would start, let's say, on a Tuesday and go through Thursday. And then a few years ago, um, Red Hat actually started an event called uh, Red Hat OpenShift Commons Gathering. Actually, it was just called OpenShift Commons Gathering. Um, and it was on the Monday before. And this was in 2016. And ever since then, at various events, more things have started the day before. And some of the events would be very well attended and others were very lightly attended. So like at Seattle, there were a few that were really well attended and then a few that weren't very well attended. Maybe there was 10 or 12 extra events the day before. This year, I think there was about 16 or 17 different events that went on. Um, some were community driven, some were vendor driven and so forth. And walking around to them, I think almost every one of them was really well attended. I know uh, like from Red Hat's perspective, we did a commons day. I think we had about four or 500 people there. We actually hosted a all-day hands-on workshop for operators that had about three or 400 people there, and it was oversubscribed. Um, but a lot of different other companies had very full events. And so to me, that says there is not only a desire for the networking part of things, uh, the community part of things, but people are willing to come a day early. They're willing to do hands-on stuff. They want to dig deeper into more technology. So these aren't just 
every vendor has a Kubernetes event. This is, there will be an event around uh, service mesh. There'll be an event around security. There'll be an event around all sorts of subcategories, right? So not just those few, but, but sort of all sorts of subcategories. So really tells me that it gives possibility for the event to continue to grow, to not be completely Kubernetes-centric, right? Kubernetes will probably always be at the center of things. Um, at some point, Kubernetes will become kind of boring and people want to know about the other aspects of it. But it, the sense I got was, there is a tremendous desire uh, to be learning a lot of these topics and willing to be there an extra day and so forth to do that. So that was very, very encouraging uh, for the event. Um, the other thing I think you know that I saw was there there was very little kind of vendoring uh, going on there. I mean, KubeCon's kind of an interesting event because the keynotes aren't uh, necessarily super compelling all the time, right? They, they have to do a thing where they give sponsor gold sponsors and platinum sponsors a, a thing. And that's kind of part of one day. And those are usually, you know, unfortunately kind of boring. I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of vendory. Um, but the rest of the keynotes were, were sort of interesting. It's, I, I do wish there was more time spent with customer stories. Um, there's very little number of customer stories. I mean, there's a few, uh, Condé Nast presented, Spotify presented, uh, but I would love to see more customer stories presented in the keynote um, as opposed to some of the vendor ones. I think the vendors would actually be willing to, to give up their slots uh, in, in terms of customers. Um, you know, I don't know that we need a whole lot of CNCF back padding that goes on, you know, how big has it gotten and blah, blah, blah. That can be a press release. That could be five minutes. I don't think we need an hour, two hours, multiple hours on that. Um, but, but, you know, overall, it was good to see the diversity of types of things talked about on the main stage, on the keynote stage, and then obviously in the, in the other things. So, you know, what it says to me is that um, KubeCon, CloudNativeCon is becoming a more diverse event in terms of it's not totally Kubernetes-centric. Um, it says that a lot of the Kubernetes problems are being pretty well solved, and, and the other problems that need to get solved are the things that are going to advance for new types of applications or scalability are becoming more front and center. So I think that's awesome. Um, another question that I was asked a lot this week by various press and analysts and media and, and just different people was, okay, it's gotten to be 7,700 people. That's pretty big. Um, you know, obviously you look at an event like uh, AWS reInvent or Salesforce event or Oracle or, you know, like those are tens and tens of thousands and so forth. Um, you know, and they said, well, you know, will this continue to get really big or will it just eventually kind of, you know, plateau and and, and peter out or whatever it is? And I, and I think there's there's a couple of different possibilities. I think the first one is um, I do think we will continue to see this become bigger for a while. Uh, you know, I think the idea of this being kind of the independent cloud show, uh, the hybrid or multi-cloud show, it's the place where kind of open source innovation at a cloud native level is going to happen. So, Maybe Kubernetes is not as big as the discussion points two or three years from now and other stuff takes over. That's perfectly fine. Um, it'll, it'll bring in different types of audiences. Um, you know, but I think now that we've got all the major cloud providers have an offering, all the major vendors have an offering, um, you know, people are, are, you know, the vendors are, are generally making money in this space. Um, you know, we're still seeing some acquisitions in this space and so forth. I think, I think we'll see this continue to grow. Um, over time, look, it, over time, if three or four years from now, it begins to get smaller and people have made their decision on which vendor they're going to use or which sets of services they're going to use, that's perfectly fine. If those things end up kind of drifting off to the vendor conferences and so forth, I think as long as, um, you know, the, the CNCF doesn't try too hard, or the communities don't try too hard, 
to make everything kind of jammed together so that they're sort of forced to use all of them. I think the community will tend to continue to be very, very healthy and, uh, you know, we'll see innovation continue happening. I think that's the big thing to really look at is not maybe attendance, but like, do we see innovation happening? Do we see smart innovation happening so that it's not just taking on projects for project's sake and so forth? And, um, you know, we're seeing, like I said, I, I think it's really important that customers are represented in these events. And I think customers want to talk about their stories. I think it's important that customers become more front and center than just the projects themselves. I think the projects themselves tend to do better in the breakout sessions and so on and so forth. But that's just my opinion. So uh, with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. I'm going to make this one sort of short. Like I said, I'm going to spend some time uh, the next day or two going through uh, the sessions. I'm going to kind of highlight some that I think look really interesting, um, some that I think are really important for people to dig into. Um, Obviously, you know, kudos to everybody who, who stands up and speaks and pr- makes a presentation. I think if, if you're interested in anything, go dig through them. Don't take my word for it. But that'll be part two that I'll get out here in the next couple of days. So with that, uh, back from KubeCon, trying to get uh, reacclimated back to the United States. Um, really had a fun time. Saw a lot of people. It's great to see the community continue to grow, um, continue to see people be super excited uh, about that. And I will put a number of things in the show notes for you to, to go look at. So um, for example, uh, the folks at the new stack did a great job of covering the show. Uh, the folks at the cube did a great job with videos covering the show. Lots of really good interviews in there. So um, lots of good ways for you to consume KubeCon, whether you were there or weren't there. Because even if you were there, you didn't get a chance to see everything. And if you weren't there and you're interested in Kubernetes, um, there are you know there's lots of things that you can go dig into and learn about. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. It's good to be back with everybody. I'm going to try and make this a more regular thing. Uh, I do have some ideas around format that uh, you know I'm going to try and keep them more regular, but I may do a few additional things. And then finally, last thing, um, and I, I should have said this up at the beginning, thank you to everybody who came up and said something nice about the show. Um, I, I would run into people periodically and you know, I apologize if I seemed a little bit uh, introverted or just kind of scattered. I was running around quite a bit, but got a chance to meet some listeners. It was cool to meet some people that listen to the show, some people that um, gave some feedback or just wanted to introduce themselves. So thank you for that. If I get a chance to see you at any event, I'm always happy to meet new people, happy to meet anybody who gives us some time to listen to the show. And uh, uh, hopefully the next time um, I'm not so scatterbrained running around and I get a chance to talk to people. So with that, everybody, thank you as as always for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the show. Um, As always, uh, Send us your feedback, podctl at gmail, if you want a topic for the show, if you have ideas, uh, if you want to tell us what we're doing wrong, any of those things are always welcome. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Pod Control Podcast. You can find everything about the show at podcontrol.com, P-O-D-C-T-L, or at podcontrol on Twitter. We'll talk to you again next week.